0: How many of you have already been on an electronic device? I haven't been on my phone in two days. It's, it's broken. It's in the shop, but, but I haven't been on my phone in, in two days. Listen, before we, before we open the Bible, remind, I'd like to remind you and tell you for the first time if you weren't here... A few weeks ago, as we moved through the Psalms, I encourage you to cultivate a habit of opening a Bible before you look at a screen every single morning. The people who are doing the research say that it will be better for you in every sense if you open a paper Bible that cannot notify you, ding at you, tempt you with looking at something else that's just behind the page You've seen the news this morning, or maybe you haven't. Here's what they'll tell you. It's all terrible. You need to hear from the Lord first. This morning, I tried to follow my own, my own encouragement to you and tried to cultivate that habit. And I was reading in a different psalm that God laments over Israel that they have forsaken His word and followed their own counsel. And that is everything in our culture tempts you to figure it out. To take responsibility for everything and figure it out. Last week we learned in Psalm 23, we don't have to figure it out. The Lord knows where the still water is. He knows where the green pastures are. He will lead us in paths of righteousness for his own sake. So cultivate that habit. This is just a reminder. Don't count this against my time. I'm not yet preaching. I know some of you are using electronic devices to keep a stopwatch on this and see just how how long it actually is. I know this. Don't count this against my time. Cultivate a habit. Habits are destiny. Cultivate a habit of hearing from the Lord before you hear from anybody else. If your work is such that you cannot help hearing from other people, if you do shift work, it might be that you can't pay attention to God that early. Pay attention to God as soon as you are physically, consciously, emotionally able to pay attention to Him. Give Him your attention early or first. Every day, hear from Him, lest it happen to you, as John Bunyan said, that a person who does not seek the face of God in the morning will scarcely find Him the rest of the day hear from Him first, get in contact with the ultimate reality that He knows and that He understands, and then go start your day under His protective, fatherly guidance. If you're here for the first, second, third time and not a lot of this makes sense to you, let me tell you what we're doing. We're in the middle of Scripture. We're literally in the middle of the book hearing songs. Today, we're about a third of the way through the psalms, and this is very obviously a song that Israel was intended to sing together. So many of the psalms of David say, I, 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 because he's speaking to the Lord, he's pouring out his heart to God, whether it's heavy or filled with praise, but this is a song of Israel. And they're going to sing about blessings And because so many of us are on our devices, you may have seen this hashtag racing around social media. People say, hashtag blessed. Have you seen this? And what's usually happening when people say, hashtag blessed? They're usually bragging, if you've noticed. It's what some people call a humble brag. And they'll say things like this, how did I get here? Like I'm so amazed that people honor and love me in this way. See this plaque? I can't believe they gave this to me. I am the employee of the month at this particular location of this particular giant store. Hashtag blessed. Blessing is a huge word in the Bible. It appears in the first few verses of scripture itself. 1189 chapters in the Bible. Barely a few, a couple dozen verses into Scripture itself, God is speaking of blessing. And the biblical idea, if God is the one blessing you, you have God's favor. His strength, His goodness, His resources are given to you. They're lavished on your behalf. And it permeates scripture. Once you see it, and I hope you do this morning as a result of our being together, once you see it, you can't unsee it. The theme of blessing runs from the first to the last book because God who made people to love them and enjoy them, who saw them lost in their sin and following their own counsel, who turned their back on his blessing and preferred his own way, and that's what we call sin, God loved people so much that he sought them at the cost of the life of his own son, Jesus, and the purpose of all of it is to bless us. And in barely the 12th chapter of the Bible, the Bible begins to aim toward Jesus in the 12th chapter of the first book. And it says this in Genesis 12, we're in ancient history here, God is speaking to Abram, and Abram is a, came out of a people who were moon worshipers in modern-day Iraq. In other words, there's nothing to recommend Abram to God. What has happened is God, for his own purposes, simply because God has, is good, has decided to take this man and his family and bless them in a particular way. And we're going to read those blessings pronounced to a fatherless man who bore in the ancient world the indignity The shame in the ancient world of not having a son. That's why this blessing in particular is so surprising. Genesis 12 verse 1 says, I will make you, remember this is God speaking to Abram thousands and thousands of years ago. I will make you into a great nation. Well, that's shocking since he doesn't even have one child. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. Do you like those terms? It's pretty good, right? To have the God of the universe say to you in something that is a a sore spot in your family, and you love your wife and you're committed to her, but through no fault of her own, you cannot have children. In other words, you're devoid not only of help in this harsh world, you're devoid of protection and care in your old age. Abram and Sarah are staring right down the barrel of a gun in the ancient world. And just because God is good and gracious, not because Abram has pleased him, but because God is good and in love, he makes the first move toward this man. He said, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Here's quite an assurance from God I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. How'd you like to have that kind of backup? You might put that on your business card, right? God said something like that to you. You might put this on Instagram and put at the bottom blessed. Because Abram is literally, tell, is literally being told by God if they have trouble with you, they're going to have a big problem with me. My goodness. It literally can't get any better. Read it with me again. This is a foundational part of Scripture. And today, before we're done, I hope you'll see how the whole Bible actually fits together with this as the first bookend. Read this with me. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, And whoever curses you, I will curse. And Paul, many years later, thousands of years later, says in the book of Galatians chapter 3, that God preached the good news, proclaimed the good news to Abram, because in him all the families of the earth would be blessed. That's the bottom line of this covenant. God is making a promise to Abram, and he says, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you this making sense to you? What's the point of the covenant? The point of the covenant is to provide a savior not only to Abram, but to who? To everyone. All the peoples, that's not a misprint. Peoples refers to, and the, this particular word in the English language means the ethnic groups, the tribes, the clans, the families, all the things that divide people. Because of their ethnic origin, because of the color of the skin, because of their history and their ancient rivalries, God says through you, a fatherless man, I am going to do something extraordinary. I'm going to make you into a great nation, and I'm going to bless you categorically. I'm going to bless your overall life. In fact, whoever blesses you, I will bless them in return. Whoever curses you, I will take up offense for you, and I will curse them in your place. And here's the bottom line of the covenant, all the peoples, all the clans, all the tribes of the world will be blessed. And Paul says thousands of years later, what God is referring to in Genesis 12, verse 3, this blessing was kept through Christ. That's why when you read the Gospels, they trace the genealogy of Jesus all the way straight through Abraham. Abraham. The bottom line of the covenant, the first promise that God made a man who would become the nation of Israel, the bottom line of the covenant is to bless the nations. And Israel knows it. These are their scriptures. Eventually, as I'm going to show you now, they're going to sing about it. You see, when we sing at least some of the songs we write, we express our highest aspirations. When we sing and compose songs, we are at our best. Songs express our highest aspirations and we sing often who we hope to be. That's especially true in the case of love songs. Have you noticed? A few years ago, a young artist named Bruno Mars wrote a song expressing Deep love for somebody. Here's Bruno Mars singing about the kind of man he hopes to be. Check this out. Because what you don't understand is, I'd catch a grenade for (laughs) you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Throw my head on a blade for you. Yeah, yeah, I'd jump in front of a train for you. Yeah, yeah, you know I'd do anything for you. Yeah, yeah, oh, whoa, oh. I would go through all this pain, take a bullet straight through my brain. Yes, I would die for you, baby. And women are saying, finally someone who gets it. And she possibly might be saying, I'm not so sure. See, and I've heard the rest of the song, and I'm not so sure, because he goes on to say, tell the devil, I said, hey, when you get back to where you're from. I know. Wait, mad woman, bad woman, that's just what you are. Yeah, you'll smile in my face, then rip the brakes out my car. That leads to another hashtag, right? Hashtag complicated. Now, That's the point. Bruno Mars, like Kenny Rogers, like Johnny Mathis, like Jason Mraz, like John Mayer, whoever you listen to, whatever crooner you're into, when when they set themselves to writing a love song, they're expressing themselves at the highest hope of what they think they'll do and what they would like to do. I sincerely doubt he would throw, based on what he goes on to say about her, he would throw his head on a blade for a woman who he says, bad woman, mad woman, rip the brakes out my car woman. That doesn't seem, I don't know. But that's what we do with songs. Songs are powerful and the Bible is filled with them 150 in Psalms alone to express Israel's highest aspirations. When you hear Israel sing, often they are singing about who they hope to be. Not what they are, but what they've understood from God they are supposed to be. And Psalm 67, of all the psalms, is a song of Israel at its best, remembering that they were blessed By God, uniquely, through no merit of their own, they were blessed by God. Read with me in Psalm 67, please. Now you'll need your Bibles. Psalm 67. And I want you to hear Israel sing. The backdrop... The foundational truth of their nation is that God took a childless man and woman and beginning with the child of promise, made Abram into a great nation that would someday produce another child much greater than any they had ever known who would actually bear the sins of the world and save the world. And that's why when they're in step with God and thinking God's thoughts after him in Psalm 67, they sing in recognition of who they are and what God made them to be. Psalm 67 verse 1, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. They're singing what they've already been promised. Do you see that? They're hearkening back to the promise that God made them many years ago. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. The great question is why? Why do they want God's blessing? Let me ask you, why do you want God's blessing? Have you asked God to bless you this morning? I have, both for myself, for my family, and for you early in the morning, cultivating that habit. I ask for God to bless our congregation, our little family of faith here, collectively. God brought several individuals to mind. I prayed for a good number of you specifically. But why do you want to be blessed? You just want life to be easier? That's valid. You want to provide for your family? That's not only valid, that's commanded. God wants you to do that. Why ultimately does anyone want to be blessed? See, the the humor some of us take in the hashtag blessed is, we can transparently see that some people at least on social media are saying, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, all eyes on me. I got this plaque, tell me I'm good. I've been blessed, somebody recognize it. Somebody tell me I look cute. Somebody tell me I've lost weight. Somebody tell me they're proud of me. Somebody tell me they love me. There's all kinds of reasons that people want to be blessed. Israel is singing collectively as a nation for God's blessing. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Here's their why. That your way may be known on earth. Your saving power among what? Among all nations, let the peoples, the tribes, the ethnic groups, let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations, plural, not just us, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. In other words, we've been blessed. Remember, this is an agrarian society. They depend upon the rain. Something like hail or fire would destroy their economy. They are recognizing in verse 6, God's blessing. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, let all the ends of the earth fear Him. What's the point? At its best, Israel sang of being blessed so that she could bless the nations. You say, I don't see that very often in the Old Testament. You're right, they forgot. What was Israel continually doing instead of being a light to the nations? A nation so blessed, so favored by God, that the nations would come, as they did in the days of Solomon, they would come to hear of Israel's God. What did Israel generally do instead? Rather than be a magnetic light to the nations, what did they do? They ran after those nations and became just like them. And all the blessings that God would have given were stopped And they became no different, they were no better, they were often worse than the people they should have been, a witness and a magnet, a draw to. But at their best, they're saying, God bless us so that we may bless the nations. What we want is your blessing so that all the nations on earth will turn and praise you because you have equity for all the nations. You are righteous to anyone who seeks you. Let me just ask you, in the 21st century, wouldn't you be happy if there were more equity in the world? If justice were more readily done? If everyone were fair and honest and truthful? When will that happen? When, when God rules. Only in small measures, only in spurts and starts here on earth. Israel is singing And calling God for His blessing so that she in turn could be a blessing. And that theme of being blessed so that we can bless runs the length of Scripture. Look at it in in the New Testament now. In the book of Titus, one of the last books written in the New Testament, Paul is reminding a young spiritual leader of God's goodness to His people, those who have trusted Christ. He's speaking of Jesus and he says, Who gave himself for us? Jesus, who gave himself for us. Here's your blessing if you belong to Christ. Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. That's a lot. That's kind of a heavy sentence. Let me reread it. This is God's purpose in providing that Savior through Abram to you. Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us. In other words, to buy us back from all lawlessness. In other words, those days where we walked apart from the law and the righteousness of God. Jesus gave himself for us, literally physically died on the cross to take us out of that lawlessness. And not only that, he purified for himself a people for his own possession. You've just been singing about it. You said in a contemporary song over and over, I am a what? A child of God. Here's the verse, one of many, that tells you that that's true. The purpose of Jesus' own death for you was to rescue you from the slavery of living apart from God, Not only that, to clean you up, to purify you so that you could be in his presence, so that you would not have to cringe when you deal with the holy God, so that you can look at him and know that he loves you and you can love him back and you can call him not only a king and a commander, you can call him your own father. He did all that to purify for himself a people for his own possession. In other words, you now are his and of course he will defend you. Of course he will protect you. Of course he will favor you. Of course he will bless you. But don't miss the bottom line. A people for his own possession who are what? Zealous, Zealous for what? Blessed to be a blessing. Do you see it? What do many Christians do? They stop reading the verse and ignore the last six words. I'm redeemed. Yay. I'm purified. Hallelujah. I belong to God now. Yay. Uh, The good works. I got stuff to do. I'm busy. Look at it. They're not optional. The point of your salvation, of your redemption, of your purification is that so you will be what? Zealous. Ever met anybody who was zealous? You know why we love the Olympics? Because they're zealous. Zealous. Once every four years, well, in the Summer Olympics, my favorite because I grew up in the desert, so I don't understand anything to do with snow and ice. (laughs) I marvel at it, I just don't get it. But I've tried to run, I've tried to play basketball, I've tried to play volleyball, I've tried to do a lot of the things they do so I can relate. I think it would be a great, great invention if they just had a normal guy like me beside the athletes as they competed. (laughs) Just to give you a picture of how amazing the athletes are, right? Here's the 100, it's over. Bruce is 30 meters down the track, he's he's doing his best. Why do the Olympics command such attention? Because of the drama that this man, this woman has dedicated themselves for nine years to this moment. And if they're a sprinter, it'll be over in less than 10 seconds. And you see muscles and sinews and sweat and vision, and you didn't even know that anybody could be like that. Why is it so dramatic? Why do we care? Why do we say we, you know, we we won 18 medals. You won nothing. He (laughs) has done an amazing job. You ate Cheetos while he poured out the zeal we love the Olympics because of the zeal it's compelling here's why Jesus saved you if you've never seen that verse he wants you to know that you've been redeemed that you've been purified that you belong to God and he now wants you to be zealous for good works which good works it depends who are you what did Jesus rescue you from What do you have in your hand? What are your scars and your stars? In other words, what have you succeeded at and where have you been crushed? All of those things are used in the hands of a mighty loving God so that you can take all of His blessings to you and give at least some of those blessings back to others. What I'm trying to tell you is the bottom line of God's promises to me is for me to be a blessing back to you. My gifts... My blessings were not intended for me alone. Listen to the way Paul explained it in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. He's speaking specifically of financial giving on this occasion to supply the needs of Christians who through persecution are starving. The Corinthians are far from that kind of trouble. They've been prospered. They've been blessed. Back in Israel, Christians are suffering. Paul explains to them in reminding them of their obligation and the commitment they had made to be generous financial givers for the relief of other believers. He said, God is able to make all grace abound to you. That's blessing. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Do you see that rhythm again? God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, that sounds amazing, what's the point? So that you may abound in every good work. Here's who God is, as it is written. Now Paul will quote his Bible, the Old Testament. He has distributed freely. freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower, in other words, seed to the farmer, seed to the man who's going to go out and plant, and bread for food, here's a promise, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. In other words, God will give you resources so that you can invest, so that you can plant And here's what he promises to do. He will increase the harvest of your righteousness. He's using a farming analogy to say this. God has promised to provide for you so that as you go out and give it away, as you invest, as you put it out there, the harvest of your righteousness, the impact of those good works, the impact of your generosity will make a difference. Much like planting produces a harvest that can feed a country. Here's the bottom line, verse 11. You will be enriched. Can we go back to the previous slide, please? You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us, the apostles are taking the offering, will produce thanksgiving to God. You will be enriched in every way and people said, Amen, I'm into that. And there's a whole slew of Bible teaching that perverts the promise by only telling you half of it. And they say, God wants you healthy, happy and wise. God will greatly bless you. Go home and enjoy it. No, 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 no. Yes, you can enjoy it, but here's the thing. It's not all intended for you. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. What is the mistake that peoples make? The biggest mistake that God's people make is this: They think that all the blessings are for them. They think, we think, I struggle with this. We think that God's gifts to us belong to us. We're like kids at Christmas. You ever seen kids fight over toys they were just given? You got two little boys, two brothers, one year apart. God help that mother and father, right? They're just one year apart. It's the action years, five and six. And mom did her best, but she gave the six-year-old something the five-year-old prefers. And the five-year-old's a little bummed out. And he says, can I play with it? What is the six-year-old likely to say, at least on Christmas morning? Now. Why? What's his argument? It's mine. It's mine. And if you treat God's gifts to you the same way children treat their gifts at Christmas time, you'll miss the whole point of the gifts. Yes, they're for you, they're yours. You can enjoy them, but they're for others. What do you have? What's in your hand? All of us have at least some money, some are poor these Christians were poor. They were taught to give. Who should give? Everyone who has anything. Paul told the Ephesians this, let him who stole steal no longer but work with his hands so that he may have something to share. Someone who has a need. All the way through the Bible, even the point of a job is not to provide for you alone. That's obvious. That's a given. Everybody knows that. It becomes Christian, it becomes godly, it reflects the character of God when the things that have come into your life don't stop with you. But you take at least some of them, and it's not just money, And you give it to others to bless them so that the generous God who has provided to you everything you could ever possibly need, you take that, you recognize that it's not from you, that it could all be taken back in a moment. I had a conversation this week with a pastor about preaching, and I told him something that my grandma helped me see from the time I was 13 years old. Because I told you last week, I've always been articulate and people often confuse that with intelligence. Intelligence and articulate is not the same thing. You can be inarticulate and deeply intelligent. You can be articulate and profoundly stupid. Okay? Those are just two different qualities. But as a 13-year-old, I was talking to a pastor friend about this beautiful opportunity and privilege that we have to open up the Bible and explain it to people. My, gr- my grandma caught me being proud of how sharp I could be with words and she said, you know, you could have just as many easily born mentally disabled. She's right. Guess what? I still could be. I'm a head injury away. I'm a brain event away. I could be needing someone to feed me for the rest of my life starting today. So if I'm thinking clearly If anybody says, and you often do because you're a very generous, faithful, encouraging congregation, hey, thanks for that sermon. That helped me. It'd be the dumbest thing in the world to say, that's right. That took some work. You know, I'm really glad because I worked on that. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag, how did I get here? If anybody says that, thank God. What am I? I'm someone who is redeemed from lawlessness. I was purified from my sins to become God's possession. What was the point of all that? To make me zealous for good works and your part might not be preaching. Probably isn't. Not too many people get called to do that. But what do you have? All of us have at least some money. All of us have at least some talents Every one of us, as long as we're living, get the same amount of time. 24 hours a day. What have you given in the week that passed to someone else as a blessing to them? See, the whole world is transactional. In other words, I do for you and I get something back. That's every job you've ever had. That's most relationships. It's just a transaction. God does not deal in grace on the basis of transaction. He's not transactional. He's transformational. Where he says, not because you're good, but because I'm good, I am going to do for you. I will bless you. That's why he shows up in Abram's life out of absolutely nowhere and says, this is what I'm going to do now. I'm going to remove the stigma of childlessness out of your life. I'm going to make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make you a blessing to everybody. I will even fight and curse your enemies for you. Here's the point. You are going to be blessed so that through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. We are blessed. Make no doubt about it. Cover to cover in the Bible, we are blessed in order to be a blessing. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 11, you will be enriched in every way. To be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. At the end of the chapter, Paul says, thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. What's he thinking about there? Jesus. In other words, how could we, who have been given the Son of God so that we in turn could belong to God, how did we ever get away From the idea that we were blessed in this way to be a blessing to others. Where would we ever come up with the idea that we're allowed to pile all the stuff up. The talent, the treasure, the applause, the opportunities, the jobs. The success, the laughter, the applause. And say, oh boy, it's good to have all this. It's not for us. It's for others. It's for the nations. It's for the community. It's for your family. Not just those immediately around you. It's for the family who this morning is not seeking God. Your gifts from God are meant for the good of others. All of them. Whatever God has given you. It's all to be put in service for others. Here's the bookends of the Bible. God said to Abram, All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. And thousands of years later, Jesus came and said, This, go therefore and make disciples, where? Of all nations. Genesis 12, Matthew 28. What did God intend for his people to do from the very beginning, whether they were Israelites or Gentiles? He wanted them to reach the nations. He wanted them to be a blessing as they themselves had been blessed. That's why Psalm 67 in the end says, the earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Here's the bottom line of the covenant again. Let all the ends of the earth fear Him. What's the point of this sermon? What's the point of Psalm 67? Everything that God has given you was meant to bless others. You've been blessed to be a blessing. When Israel sings, we can hear it. Let's not forget it. Let's pray. two kinds of people in this this room. Those who have been lavished with all of those gifts. You've already received from the Lord the blessing of His Son, Jesus Christ. I'm preaching and this is making sense to you. It connects with you. It reminds you of the good news you've heard because you're saved. You've been forgiven. Whatever others may say of you, whatever accusatory terrible things race through your mind and you beat yourself down verbally in the bottom, bottom line, in what is deeply, most importantly true about you, you know you're a child of God. You sang that song earlier not as a hope but with absolute confidence that you have eternal life, that when your life on this earth is over, The next moment for you, your next breath will be in heaven in the presence of God, not because you earned it, but because He saved you. You know yourself to be blessed in that way. The other group of people in this room are those who are not sure. You would like that to be true. You hope that's true. You're trying to figure out how that could ever be true. Let me invite you to trust Jesus. He gave Himself for you to redeem you from lawlessness and purify you for himself to make you one of his own people to call you by name and the reason people don't want to do it is they prefer their own way they put God off imagine the the absurdity of that of telling God to wait the Bible says today is the day of salvation if you've Struggled with sin. If you know that you're guilty, if you feel the shame, if your conscience accuses you, run to Jesus right now. Confess to him, tell him the truth, agree with him about yourself and your situation. Name it, own it, and say, I've sinned, I'm far from you. Please save me, make me one of your disciples, make me one of your people. And he will. He died and rose from the grave so that you could have that assurance. And if you do, all I would ask is that you would take the card in your bulletin and let us know that that is your intention. That is what God has put on your heart to do today. If you don't understand it all, I'd be glad to talk to you on your terms and in your time about how you can be certain. But if you have that need this morning, call out to God in prayer right now and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've fallen very short of your standard, but I'm turning back to you away from myself, away from sin. I'm asking you for mercy and salvation. Please bless me by saving me. And I pray that many will agree with God and come to faith in Christ this morning. The other group of people in that room is the majority probably. You know you're God's beloved daughter. You know you're God's beloved son. You know Your life, your salvation, your forgiveness, the blessings He's given to you, your health, your life, everything. It's all from Him. You know that now. You, Christian, be a blessing. Let it flow from you to others, sing along with Israel, the Lord will bless us and the nations will turn to him. You can't reach the nations, but you can reach your family, you can make an impact in your community, you can resource together with the many people that call Cross Point home and together we can make an impact and a blessing if only we will realize that we've been blessed to bless. Father, thank you. For those who are turning to you in faith this morning for the first time, I praise you and thank you. For the many, Lord, beginning with me, who are so accustomed to our blessings that perhaps we have forgotten, I sometimes do, that all the blessings for me are intended for others. Help us to sing with Israel that we have been blessed and we want to be blessed, not for ourselves, but to be a blessing to others. Receive this offering, Lord, as an expression of us understanding that our financial blessings are intended for the blessing of others. Whether people give here or online, however they choose to do it, may we recognize ourselves as greatly blessed and bless others in Jesus' name.